NFL Films nailed it with this piece right here. <laughs> the Raiders. Raider analyst Lincoln Kennedy joins us right now. He's also a Pac-12 network analyst. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Uh, we are good. We're good. How are you? Can't complain. I, I really can't. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in this world, but I'm, I'm, uh, I and myself, my family are, are healthy. We're strong, and, and we're just trying to do our thing to, to keep, it, keep it moving. <laughs> Amen. Football Fridays here on the Zone Sports Network and coverage of the Raiders game against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. Same great features and benefits now with silver and black. Learn more at americafirst.com slash Raiders. I want to ask you about Utah and USC, but let's start with the Raiders. They're playing the Chiefs. It's the Sunday night game. And so Andy Reid, and a lot of people follow Andy here because he was at BYU, and now he's got local players on his team too. Uh, Sorensen's done really good stuff for them um, so he in his press conference uh, references the bus circling the parking lot and taking a victory lap right, which right. in the scheme of everything going on in the world really qualifies as nothing <laughs> however if it somehow focuses unfocused players and somehow taps into some part of their you know 16 year old self that is insulted by this in a very high school sort of way, and gets them to play better, I guess, you know, push the psychological buttons as it works. But as a guy who played in the pros, didn't a bunch of guys in the locker room roll their eyes when they heard that? You know, the thing is, is that when you come into the league, no matter where you're, you come up or your demographics, you're supposed to take on a personality. And that's not just the league, but when you come into a team an atmosphere, you're supposed to take on the personality or the identity of that team. You're supposed to assume it. You're supposed to pick up the tradition that was laid before you to address it. For example, if you play at Utah, no matter where you grow up, you're supposed to hate BYU. doesn't matter. And vice versa. Or Utah State. Or any other you know, uh, team in your conference that's supposed to be a quote-unquote rivalry. I say that to say this. You know, the rivalries, in my opinion, on all levels aren't as strong or as bittersweet, if you will, as they, as they were in, in the past. And that could be blamed on a lot of reasons. But I don't think you really need a whole lot of motivation to get up for this game if you're a Kansas City Chief or if you're a Las Vegas Raider. I don't think that you have to wake up and say, man, I need to give me something to get going because I've got to take on this other team. It should be there. And it should be there for nothing else because you want to be a champion. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you want to showcase that you are defending Super Bowl champions. You want to go back to the Super Bowl. You've got the best team. You've got the best offense. You've got the best, best everything. And you want to beat up on people because you want to keep pace for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you're the Las Vegas Raiders, you want to show that, you know what, we're a team to be contended with. We're up here, and, yes, we beat you once before. And we're going to show you how good we are because we're going to try to beat you once again. There should not have to be a lack of motivation for this game. It's funny that we're talking about a bus or a group (laughs) of buses taking a lap around the stadium as, oh, let's use that as motivation. That should get you hyped. (laughs) How dare they disrespect your stadium by taking a victory lap around? When the essence of the story came down, there was a bus driver, part of the group of buses uh, for the Raiders, um, who was a, a, an avid Kansas City Chief fan. And he was bitter that his team just lost to the Raiders in Kansas City. He expressed that bitterness uh, to the coaching staff. And John Gruden got, caught wind of it. He said, oh, really? 
oh, well, let's take a lap around the stadium. He's got to do what we do because we're paying him this time. <laughs> and that's how this whole thing came to fruition. <laughs> so go figure, huh? Go figure. This is what we're dealing with these days. Yeah, it seems a little funny and silly uh, <laughs> uh, about all this stuff, especially with the grown men. Yeah. It, it, there's, you know, the, every game counts in the NFL, 1 through 16, and, you know, and, and I guess in a divisional game you can saddle them with a loss, so maybe – it counts a little bit more than that, but, you know, they all matter. But I am wondering about a player getting excited maybe to have the stage to themselves on a Sunday night. How about that? You know what? If you're Patrick Mahomes, and, and anyone who knows Patrick um, or has, has met him, you know, and talked to him, know that he's a very prideful person, and I'm putting that lightly. Um, most might seem that he's on a borderline of being somewhat cocky. Um, it is what it is. He's a damn good quarterback. Um, so I could get it. I get it. <laughs> you know, you got, you got the ability like that, especially with the talent you are. But my, my point is, is that if you're Patrick Mahomes, you have a premier stage, a team embarrassed you at your home stadium. They showed constant close-ups of what he was mouthing on the sideline, his frustration and everything the last time they played in week five at Arrowhead. Now you want to show different. You want to go out there and show why you're number one. Now, in the case in point, when the Ravens played the Chiefs on, was that, Sunday night or Monday night, whatever it was, Premier TV, um, there was a classic point where the, once the Ravens drove down with that first touchdown um, the, and the Chiefs came in, oh, is it, you saw Patrick you know, with, with a sort of jest on his chest, like, you know what, okay, all right, I'm going to show you something. And he went out there and showed his ass and played very well for four quarters and basically beat the snot out of the Ravens. Said, you know what, you're not there yet. Um, I think you're, you're going to have that sort of feeling by Patrick Mahomes this time. He's really going to try to take it to the Raiders and, and embarrass them in their home stadium. So he can have swagger to the point of being arrogance, but when you're trying to be literally the best at what you do, it seems to me like that's part of the equation. A long time ago, when Michael Jordan was chasing his sixth title here in Utah, my mom, who didn't watch much sports, said on the phone, I don't like the Bulls. They carry themselves. They, they think they're better than everybody else. And my dad is on the phone in the days when that was a thing. Uh, and there were multiple extensions on a landline. Right. And he laughed. I could hear him giggling. And it's because he's a huge sports fan. I'm like, well, they are better than everybody else. Of course they think that. And that's what I told her. And so when I hear that about Mahomes, I'm thinking, well, is Aaron Rodgers any different? Is Brady any different? Even if Brady's down the other side of the mountain and he's not that guy anymore, he's still going to carry himself like that. And that would go to whatever sport at whatever level. Aren't the best going to carry themselves that way? Yes. And they're going to show up and and, and prove it. And they're going to show you why they feel that they're the best. Look, there are many people, and I'm not necessarily one of them, if Patrick Mahomes for some reason stopped playing today, is he a Hall of Famer? That's the question you have to ask. Yeah. I, I think once you have an MVP and a Super Bowl championship, how are you not a Hall of Famer? And see, there are a lot of people who are that thinking. I'm, I'm saying, you know what, I, I, I understand that he is a great player. I am not underestimating him in the slightest bit. But he also has the fortune of being surrounded by immeasurable talent. When you talk about the receivers and everything he has to go through and the, and the coaching staff that he had the, to be as fondly of, I would say he needs to do it a little bit more. Just show me a little two or three more years of this greatness, and yes, I will anoint you a Hall of Famer. 
because you, I, I think about when it comes to the Hall of Fame and telling the story of the National Football League, I'm thinking about length and consistency. And there's no doubt in my mind Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. I'm not, you know, not, not slighted in any, any way. You know, but you know, when I think of Hall of Fame quarterbacks, what sits in my mind is the guys that did it over time, like you know, uh, uh, Dan Marino or John Elway or uh, Steve Young. It wasn't just a, you know, a four-year window, if you will, uh, when they got it right, like a college thing. It was something that lasted more than that. But my, I say that to say this. There is a, there's a level of arrogance that's to be expected with any notable player. And you mentioned it. I think Aaron Rodgers had it. He only's won, he's only won one Super Bowl. But it's not about the, the hardware that defines him. Aaron Rodgers has been a great quarterback over the length of his career. Uh, how many every years he's, he's played in it. So I think he's deserved that honor. But, you know, minus the shine, uh, because there's been a lot of notable quarterbacks in my mind that had, haven't had the shine but might be deemed as Hall of Famers, depending on how you look at them, like Philip Rivers. Is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? Um, you ask the question, look at the numbers. He doesn't want it to the Super Bowl. But you look at the numbers over the consistency. I think you got to have them in the conversation. Is Eli Manning an automatic Hall of Famer just because he won two Super Bowls? Hasn't been glaring numbers, but he's won two Super Bowls. So what do you base it off? You base it off of the hardware? Do you base it off the level of consistency? Do you base it off the number of years? These are all arguments that we always have when it comes to Hall of Fame. Yeah, for sure. So it makes it fun, actually, <laughs> when you Certainly. think about it. Yeah. So you look at the Chiefs. They're already there. Everybody's chasing them. Certainly. The Raiders... There's somewhat of a team on the come, upstart and so forth. And certainly if they win, I mean, that, in my mind, okay, you're, you you beat the Chiefs twice. That's not a fluke. You're legitimate. You just didn't have a good game one day, and they weren't quite as good. Beat right. them two times in a row. But how much do you think that the Raiders believe that they're on the level of the Chiefs? How much do you think they believe themselves? That's a good question. Um, I think if they're being realistic – they know that they can compete with anyone, but they also have to have everything that kind of falls right. When the Raiders played the Chiefs in Week 5 in Arrowhead, they played damn near a perfect game. Didn't have as many turnovers, didn't have as many penalties, didn't have as many miscues, scored touchdowns. And that's sort of the perfect combination that you need to beat a team of the Chiefs' quality. Um, I know a number of guys in that Las Vegas Raiders locker room that feel that they are as good or want to be. I just don't know if they truly understand what they're saying because this is, the, the Raiders team is a very young team. If you look at it, I mean, Derek Carr, I think, is in year seven. And not many people that are playing on this roster that are above that. And you talk about a championship-quality team, a caliber team, man, that's, that's, that, that, that's a lot. I'm not, I don't, I'm not sitting here trying to profess that I think the Raiders are a, are a championship-caliber team. I, I, I think they're a playoff Compatible team. Of course, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen as long as you're still playing. But um, I, I do think that the thorn in the side of this team, the Raiders, has been the Chiefs. Week five was a attention getter because they finally answered that challenge. Oh, we can beat the Chiefs. And now they're on the verge since, what is it, 2012, I think it was, the last time the Raiders swept the Chiefs uh, in a the season. They're on the verge of doing something great. I still don't think they're a championship-caliber team. But if they beat the Chiefs twice, then I know they will have the confidence they can compete with anyone when they get in the playoffs. Right, right. 
Let's go to college football now. Okay. Uh, it's Utah and it's USC. Are they playing this game? Is this going to be canceled? Or are we going to have two teams playing? The, hoping, you know? hoping, hoping, hoping. Okay. All right. I think that the Utes. Hope than I do. I think the Utes have had a lot of guys come out of the 14-day window, and uh-huh. that group of players, I think, um, pushed the number over the last two weeks. Okay. But it could still. It could. You know, there could be another group of players that test positive. Right. But I think the fact that that group is back. I think Kyle Whittingham just sounded different this week. He sounded more positive. But there are no guarantees. It's 2020. But you know what, to be honest, guys, I, I love the game of football. I love the Pac-12 conference. You guys know me. We've done this for many years. I just really don't know what to make of what we're seeing here. I don't. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Every day something can change. Yep. And right. so right. I can't get my hopes up to watch. In all honesty, I can't get my hopes up to watch SC and Utah go at it when – Tomorrow, it might be different. (laughs) And and, and I don't know what to make of this because as an analyst, I try to break down what I'm possibly going to see or what I'm looking forward to. Half the time now with college football especially, I don't know if those players are going to be available. More importantly, I don't know if the game's going to be available. (laughs) So of what you have seen of USC in these two games. They're beatable. Yeah. There you go. They're not figuring stuff out. They're going to be flawed going forward the way they've Without been flawed in these first two games. They're not going to figure it out. Without a doubt. And, and it's unfortunate from a national perspective because really, in all honesty, there are only two teams in the Pac-12 that the, 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 the national perspective can hang its hat on. That's Oregon and that's USC. And both have looked flawed. And both are on the verge of losing the game. Yeah, that's why for me, I'm almost to the point, and I'm getting real, real close, particularly for the sake of Utah, since they already had two games canceled. Even if they run the table and there are four or five games, they're they're not going to get into the playoff because they just didn't have enough uh, enough games to be played. It, so I'm almost to the point fair? of, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, I'm thinking they should just use this season as a, yeah, go ahead. Just use this season as a tune-up to get ready for next year. Exactly. Exactly. And at this particular junction, as we sit here on what, November 20th, does anybody know what next year is going to be like? Do we uh, honestly know what next season is going I, to be like? I, I mean, can't, we're, we're hopeful. I can't guarantee it, but I'm, I'm trying to be uh, positive and upbeat and that the vaccine <laughs> is supposed to be generally available next summer. That's not everybody has it by next summer from what I've read. So I'm hoping it goes forward. I think where the Utes fit in the cycle, and PK was on to this about three years ago, that Utah has to rebuild, they can't reload. And in three-year cycles, Kyle has improved the team in each of the three-year cycles over the nine years they've been in the league. And this was set up to be a rebuilding year with how many guys they sent to the NFL and how good they were over the last two years. Nobody has won the South three years in a row. Right. I wasn't planning on them winning the South this year. Right. They got to break in a new quarterback. We weren't 100% sure who it was going to be. We flip-flopped on who we thought it might be. Right. They got to rebuild the whole defense. I thought if they could just look good, play well, and win a little more than their fair share of games this year, then they'd be set up for two big years because they're going to have a – they should, off of what you're recruiting, have a lot of good freshmen and sophomores. And so there ought to be a core of a good team for two years going forward. That was what I thought when we thought they were going to play 12 games, and that seems like it was about three or four years ago. Right. So what, what does the grade come out when you're possibly going to play, what, four or five games? Yeah. I, I, honestly, I don't think that they can go 5-0 and anyway. So I wouldn't worry about them being left out of the playoff at 5-0. and 
Yeah. You know, I don't, they've got so many question marks. Maybe they will answer them all positively and it win a bunch of games. Then we'll be sitting here wishing that they played four more. So we had a real, you know, something closer to a real season. Five games yeah. is less than half a season. Somehow baseball pulled it off and it was okay. But with college football, you know, you got somebody over here. Well, there was a tweet. One of the national guys tweeted out, I think Tulane's played 10 games and is 5-5 five and five and Utah's 0-0. Zero and zero. What a year. You know, yeah, there's nothing I think we, I think we saw that last night, I think, was yeah. um, the two teams that were playing Tulsa. Tulsa and, and Tulane, yeah. It was a crazy game. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, I, the, the, I, when I saw the record, I think, as you mentioned, <laughs> Tulane was like 5-5 five and five and Tulsa was like 4-1. and one. Yeah. I'm like, what, what, kind of, what kind of factor is that? How do you, how do you measure that? Yeah. And especially when it comes to right. football, because it's single game played, it's not series. That it's even if you play a good team and you beat that good team, are you anointed a good team and it's only your your first win, or it's the only time that you played them? Maybe you just got the best of them that day. You know that's that's the thing that's hard to gauge when it comes to football, and I think that's where we're at right now. And that's also why I say I'm not really sure what to make of the product because I see a lot of sloppy football on the collegiate level. I don't know if that's touted up because they didn't play or the level of quality they played or they're just not into it. I don't know what to make of it because you don't have a big enough you don't have a big enough sample size across the board. I mean you have you have one conference that's gonna play eleven games and the other conference is gonna play six games. How do you judge who's the better? Uh, you blow off the Pac twelve because you wanted to do that in the first place. <laughs> that's that's how that's gonna work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so Lincoln. I, well, before we go, Lincoln, I got an yeah. idea, and I want to run it by you. Eventually, okay. we'll get back to normal, and Allegiant Stadium will be filled, and there'll be crazies running around, and we'll all enjoy life again the way we knew it. But my thought, since we're the Raider station and we're helping build the product, that when we get to that point, one of those eight games, the Raiders have all the guys the uh, who work for the zone, and they have us down for a game. Can we make that happen? <laughs> I will talk to some people. I'm sure we can make that happen. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that, that would be so – I mean, we're, we're Raiders North here. That, yeah. that would be so sweet. I, you know what? You know what? I, you guys will be very impressed when you see Allegiant Stadium. It's the first time since my affiliation with the Raiders for a quarter of a century that the Raiders have a true home. And it looks like the Raiders. You feel it. You see it on the walls. You see it in the stadium. You don't have to worry about seeing green and white like at the Coliseum when they were sharing it with the A's. You don't have to see, you know, Trojan colors when they were in, in, in yeah. the Coliseum in Los Angeles sharing it with the, you know, SC. You know, it's, it feels home for the Raiders. And the view is beautiful. Once they open up the patio doors and you guys look across the 15 and you see the, the strip, you see, you know, the Luxor, you see the MGM and all that stuff, it's, yeah. it, it's beautiful. It's breathtaking. Last thing before we let you go, the yeah, uh, you you I just want to say how much you nailed this discussion earlier. You were talking about Mahomes is great, but he's got really good people around him, and does he appreciate the coaching staff, the rest of the offense, the defense? And it's probably hard for him to appreciate it because he hasn't been in a situation where he doesn't have it. He doesn't know right. how hard it is to put together. I mean, at some level, he appreciates it, but he right. can't fully because he's not. 50 and he hasn't watched NFL talent wasted in bad organizations, right? And it made me think when you brought up that Hall of Fame thing, you said, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Is Phillip Rivers a Hall of Famer? Rivers is with the Chargers because Eli Manning, I mean, not only did Breeze move, but Eli Manning was their draft pick and Archie was in New Orleans in a bad organization. Yeah. 
And on some level, with Dean taking over for Alex Banos, Archie knew Dean was Fredo. Yeah. And he wouldn't let his kid go there. It happened to me. It's not happening to you. It's going to be huge blowback when you leverage your way out of there. You'll look like the spoiled son of an NFL team. But I spent a decade getting beat up behind on a bad Saints team. And he got him to New York. He won two Super Bowls. Rivers may be the better quarterback, and he's got awesome stats. But with Fredo putting the team together, you really... You really nailed it, Lincoln, when you picked them as examples. I don't, I don't know how much of that you didn't want to explain, but you already knew. Well, I, you look, nailed I personally it. believe the Mannings are the equivalent to football as the Kennedys are to politics. I oh. believe they have that much power. Yeah. And I believe you can, watch, you can watch as Archie Manning's grandson, I think, is playing at Ole Miss or one of the schools, how much coverage he gets in the next couple of years by the media. Yeah. And it, it, it's pushed along. Just like the Kennedys were in politics. How every Kennedy that was involved in politics was pushed along by the media. You're going to see the same thing that goes for the Manning family. And it's no slight on them. I mean, I think, you know, they had two good quarterbacks. I'm not a big Eli fan. Never really was. Peyton, I think, was the truth. And, of course, Peyton's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Eli, to some extent, I think, might be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But, you know, to each his own. I don't have a vote, so I'm just from outside looking in. Lincoln, we appreciate the time. Good segment. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, guys. Be well. See you next week, okay? Lincoln Kennedy covering a lot of ground right there from uh, how spectacular Legion Stadium is. It's good to hear they really built it into the city. The best stadiums are like that, PK. They're really tied into the city. Not, uh, you know, built out on the farm 20 miles out of town surrounded by uh, a bunch of asphalt. Uh, There's something about the vibe. So it's good they nailed that. And you might have just gotten us a trip. Good work. Thank you. When we come back, Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker, David Locke, Utah Jazz radio voice, coming up at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome in Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker. Brian, good morning. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing? Good. Brian, I'm not going to ask you about North Alabama, and you can't make me. I'm moving okay. right on. I don't blame you. I am curious uh, what you thought of the Pac-12 tweaking the rules for non-conference games, how much you crave a game with a Pac-12 school, how much you'd like BYU to not play anybody else, and just ride this uh, record they've got right now into a uh, New Year's Six Bowl game? What do you think? Yeah, so <clears throat> they tweaked their rules, and it's kind of interesting because it, the, <clears throat> the way that they laid them out, it, all, it, it makes it tough for a game to happen. That's not to say that it won't happen, but it makes it tough, with, at least with what I saw and um, with the testing protocols that they're requiring, et cetera. That being said, I would absolutely love schedule an extra game with BYU and any Pac-12 team, specifically one that lives nearby. Now, <laughs> that's, 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 that's Brian Keel, the football player, speaking. Um, Brian Keel, the BYU fan, 
probably says, you know what, guys? We got a New Year's Six pretty much wrapped up. Let's just stay the course and not mess that up. And I am really having an internal dilemma about what is, you know, what is better. And I don't know what Tom Homo's mind is. And honestly, it's, I'm, I'm split myself trying to decide if I were Tom Homo, what route I would try to do. And I can make a very compelling argument for either direction. So I live in a Brighton area. My wife taught at Albion. So you can't go more than 20 yards without meeting a keel around here in one way or the other. I mean, they're all over the place. You know that. And you grew up in this area, too. I didn't grow up here, but I've lived here for 20-some years now. And a lot of youth fans that are around. And my neighbor, love the guy dearly, he is a hardcore Ute fan. And, he, and he's probably listening now. He's just getting so jealous about BYU and all the attention. And he keeps coming at me about the schedule. And I keep saying, yeah, well, I mean, what the schedule is what it is, as you would say, as Brian would say. But one of the things that's bugging me is he keeps downgrading Zach Wilson and says he's not as good because it's just beating up on uh, inferior competition. I say the kid's got major talent. You've been in the NFL. You've seen what NFL quarterbacks are about. I believe this kid is an NFL quarterback. Could you tell my neighbor once and for all to shut up that this kid is an NFL quarterback? Yeah, um, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be uh, that are going to be eating crow on that one. And um, you know, as you were talking, immediately popped into my mind, and now I have a a brain freeze, too many hits to the head. I can't think of his name, but um, the quarterback in Buffalo came from Wyoming. Josh his Allen. Name? Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, look no further than Josh Allen. I mean, a lot of people, when they made that pick, a lot of people said, oh, that's a stretch. He didn't play anybody, blah, 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 blah. And look what he's doing now. I mean, he's absolutely playing phenomenally. And then uh, it goes on and on. I mean, look, Joe Flacco. And, I mean, just, there's, there's a bunch of quarterbacks that – Either, either and this is the thing. There's things that you can't teach, and accuracy and arm talent, you just can't you can't teach that. Like guys either have it or they don't. Um, height is one of them. Um, you know, speed, degree is one of them. Those are those are these are things that guys just have, and when they have those these, these attributes, they stick out on film, and they show up regardless of whether you're playing Alabama. Or if you're playing the Little Sisters of the Four, you know if you run if you run four three flat, it's going to show up, and scouts are going to drool over that. And if you're throwing eighty percent accuracy with with phenomenal touch throws and and high velocity throws and down the field throws and and you're just throwing it all over the place, it doesn't matter if you're playing Alabama or anybody. Bo Diddley Tech, scouts are going to drool over that, and that's what Zach Wilson's going to do. That's what he's been doing. And what he's going to do is he's going to get drafted, probably going to get drafted in the first round. And, uh, you know, we'll find out for sure in April. But that's, I mean, you know, you, you heard it here. You know, when I hear people say that the schedule sucks, I can only nod in agreement because the schedule is softer than softer than soft. But I look at the softer original schedule. Issue. Right, exactly. But I look at the original schedule, I don't think it overwhelms BYU. Minnesota is one and three right now. Uh, Michigan State is one and three right now. 
We saw BYU beat an eight-win team, USC, uh, USC team. We saw them beat an eight-win Tennessee team. Now we saw them get blown out by an eight-win Washington team. Uh, and we saw them mess up games with uh, seven- and eight-win teams in Toledo, South Florida, and Hawaii. But I think this team, um, if you look at the Houston game, that's like the South Florida or Toledo or Hawaii game they messed up. And this team turned it around in the second half and won a game. And then you look at Boise State, and clearly – they were better against Boise this year than they were a year ago. And I don't care the Boise starter was out because I think in Sears they've got another quality quarterback there. Now, he got knocked out. That becomes an issue. But it doesn't address the offense shredding the defense for 51 points. So I'm thinking this team's clearly better. I don't think Missouri's all that. You know, you don't have a sample size on Utah and ASU. But I'm thinking this would have been a 10-win team against their original schedule. And then we'd have to see with ASU and Utah combined they played one entire game. I agree with everything you just said. And I think any rational person knows that BYU is legit. The, the, how legit they are, I mean, that's the unknown. And the, the schedule is what it is, as we have said. And it is soft. And there's nothing the players can do about that. Um, you credit Tom Homo for making something out of nothing when a lot of people in positions of power were willing to just sit on the sideline and sit on their hands Tom Homo got on the phone and made it happen. And I tipped my hat to him. And then I tipped my hat to the coaching staff for constructing this team. And, and when, when the season was in doubt, when they didn't even know if they were going to play one game, let alone 10 games, keeping them focused, keeping them, keeping them hungry. And they practiced at a high level and worked hard and prepared and they're performing. And I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm going to put an asterisk next to their undefeated season because it, it's not the same. And anybody that tells you that going undefeated against this schedule versus a typical schedule is the same, they're lying to you and they're lying to, your, to themselves because it's not the same. That being said, anybody that says that this BYU team isn't legit is also lying. So two things can be true at the same time. Well, I'm looking at Dennis Dodd, a uh, national columnist for CBS Sports, and he has, he just posted it this morning, and, he's, and he talked to Tom Homo about how this Pac-12 has this thing that they said they could play non-conference. And, you know, going back to what you said about if you're Tom, what do you do? Do you play a game just to play a game? Or, you know, do you play Oregon if it should come up, whatnot? But the point I was going to make, he, and I'm quoting this literally, it says uh, BYU is 38th nationally in schedule strength, according to the NCAA, ahead of the likes of Alabama, Miami, Auburn, and Texas. So really, is it that bad? That's, I hadn't heard that. That's pretty crazy. And um, if that's true, then I say, yeah, eat that, haters. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alabama, I'd have to go look at their schedule. It doesn't surprise me with Texas because the Big 12 strength of schedule got hammered when they lost multiple games to the Sun Belt. So that's an issue. And we've always thought that the bottom and the middle of the ACC were nothing. And Miami's played one big-time game and lost it. So a couple of those schools didn't surprise me. I guess Bama did, but I have to look at who they've played in the SEC because that's another league that's top-heavy if you only played the bottom. Uh, there's really nothing special. I think that if the question comes up, you know, and there's a chance to play a game, I think Tom has to say yes. And I think the reason is that BYU right now is getting credit for trying to go out and schedule the Pac-12, the SEC, and the Big Ten. They had them all on the schedule. 
in some cases multiple teams. And they're getting credit for that. And they're getting credit for playing anyone who's willing to play them. And it's, it's, it's Charmin tissue soft, but they played whoever would play them. If they pass on a team, then I think you risk all of that going away. And you got to at least that. give the yep. players the chance to go out. And I don't know if you're going to play. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who it'd be you'd draw in the Pac-12, given week, given who the opponent is. But if it's offered up, I think you have to take it, or you look like you're ducking. Hey, Amen. I agree with you 100. percent And that's the that's the competitor talking. You know, I know there are a lot of fans that <clears throat> they're just playing the numbers, and statistically, it's not worth the risk. And so that, there's an argument to that. But you know, Tom Homo, he's a competitor. You know, a fierce competitor, just like you and me. And so I, I would imagine that his mindset is bring it on. And the same thing that you just said, the, the mentality this year was any place, any, anywhere, any team, any place, anywhere. And, 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 and I think that mentality has kind of spilled over into the players, and that's why they've played so well. Um, I, that's not the only reason, obviously, but I think that has helped any team, any place, anywhere. And if you, if you take that mentality away, you know, I think that hurts the psyche of the team. And then, you know, maybe we get into New York, New York six against a legit team. And our psyche isn't the same because, because we ducked out when we could have stepped forward. So, I mean, it's all speculation, but that's me. I want any game, anytime, anywhere. Excited to see Taysom Hill supposed to get his first start this week. Oh man, I I'm just licking my chops. I you know, just as a as a person, anybody that knows Taysom likes him. He's just a likable guy, and um, so so you root for him because of that. And then his story, you know, the the reason there's a lot of people that get bothered that he gets so much love from from the media and from the commentators, and and it's because of his story. I mean, the guy had four um, season-ending injuries, and he has persevered and overcome that and has turned himself into a legitimate NFL player, and now he's getting a chance to start at quarterback, which has always been his goal. I mean, it's just it's the American story, like overcoming the odds and just not giving up and just keep, keep coming. And, and it just, it's, uh, that's what people love to see. That's why he's such a big story, and, and I, just, I couldn't be happier for him, and I hope he just absolutely dominates. Brian, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. Yep, thanks, guys. You have a good weekend. All right, Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker, uh, joining us. And PK, that game at 11 a.m. on uh, Sunday morning is the only game on free TV. You have the NFL ticket, so it doesn't matter to you. If you have the NFL ticket, you've always got your options. But that's the only game over the air is Atlanta and New Orleans. So, BYU fans. Two or or Fox? It's a Fox 13 game. They have the doubleheader this week. And it will shock oh, you. Oh, better believe I'm going to watch that game. Yeah, it will shock you. But, well, I know. But see, now with NFL Ticket, you can channel surf if anything else good happens. Uh, correct. You're good. Correct. But uh, I mean, I'm excited for Taysom. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Atlanta has been bad, but they have come on. They've won three of their last four games. Not, uh, well, not... it's an NFL game, man. Right. Yep. And they're not the Jets. <laughs> That's it. They were the Jets until they went three or four. They lost five in a row, and they were getting mentioned in the same breath. But they seem to have uh, seem to be getting things going in the right direction here. That it hasn't. They haven't beaten. This would easily be their best win. They haven't beaten anybody who's really good. Uh, Broncos, Panthers, Vikings are their three wins. And in that, they lost a one point game to the Lions. So, 
but they're 3-1 and one in their last four. All right, DJ and PK coming up. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, talking NBA draft at 9 o'clock. And Yach, all those phone calls you put out paid off. Jazz fans who want to know about the first-round pick. I don't know about who's a Doke. 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 Norm Roberts, assistant coach for Kansas men's basketball, will join us at 9.30. Okay. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Udoka Azubuki with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What do you think about playing alongside Rudy Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell? Is that something that gets you excited? Oh, man, I'm so excited to go out there and walk with Rudy, walk with Donovan Mitchell. Um, Mitchell, I started Rudy, you know, like just picking his brain as a two-time defensive player of the year. I mean, like, I know that, you know, just learning from Rudy, like a guy like Rudy is really going to help my game a lot. And um, I'm so excited to learn from Mitchell and, you know, his brand and what he brings to the table and what he can do. Like, I'm just excited to learn from this superstar. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Football Fridays here on The Zone Sports Network and coverage of the Raiders game against the Chiefs on Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. Same great features and benefits now with silver and black. Learn more at americafirst.com slash Raiders. On a football Friday, PK, we are also talking basketball because of the draft. I think we need to do a mini recap for the people who are uh, just joining us right now. Uh, we've already had on a couple of uh, interesting guests here. Jim Beheim, Syracuse men's basketball coach, joined us at 7.30 to uh, talk about Elijah Hughes, the former Syracuse player who the Jazz got with the 39th pick in the draft, made the draft night trade with the Pelicans to get him. Was there one phrase that Jim mentioned at least three, maybe four times that stuck out at you, got your attention, and Jazz fans should hold on to? Yeah, get his own shot. Oh, man, he hammered at that. He did. Shot clock Jimmy and I, we go way back. You know that? <laughs> way back. You, uh, if I remember the story right, you got sent, and I think you were, you might have been in LA, but I think you were in Vegas, and you got Vegas. sent to do a story as well, I a, wanted to go. Oh, you wanted to go as part of your college basketball beat, and you needed to get yeah. a quote for him from the story, and he was sitting in a gym on the bleachers in a hot summer gym watching another game go on he didn't seem to be talking to anyone or doing anything or waiting for anybody's coach can i talk to you and there's a flicker of the eyes and a little eye contact and he didn't say anything he figured well that wasn't yes but it wasn't no either and i'm pk and so he started talking to him (laughs) it was an auxiliary gym it was not even the main gym (laughs) it was a little crowded thing where there was only like room for you to what like a chair between the sideline and the wall oh it didn't even have bleachers so sitting in the no 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 the main gym did but this auxiliary gym was like through a door and it would be like a like a wrestling room or something at a high school yeah we had to, an actual gym yeah so, we had to yeah. play in one of those in high school they called it the mini gym you're right, in the mini so they gym were playing a game <laughs> and i walk in there and he's just sitting there and I look at him, Coach, can I ask you some good? And he never looked up. I thought, well, he didn't say no. And and I, my, I told my wife that story. She says, oh, man, I would have just died on the spot. I could have never <laughs> done that. <laughs> I said, well, You're- I'm from Jersey. What can I tell you? <laughs> so I said, uh, can I ask some questions? He didn't say no. So and then he was fine. But here's a man who's 76 years old. 
he doesn't have to sell anything, and he certainly doesn't have to sell anything to Salt Lake City. Uh, and, and, I mean, it's this guy, so, you know, there is some bias there. But he coached the Olympics, as he said, and he's talking about in the NBA, you need to get your own shot. And if you can get your own shot, you have opportunities to stick. Like, and he had a kid like Jerry McNamara who lit up BYU for 40-some points in the NCAA tournament over in Denver. Well, Jerry didn't make the NBA because he couldn't get his own shot, right? And maybe you could argue Jimmer, too, Jerry's among, among other bench, reasons. funny enough. Yeah, he is an assistant there. Yeah, right. I knew that. And so here, six foot six, Elijah Hughes keeps. Uh, it's only a matter of time before I come Elijah Bryant, but uh, Elijah Hughes can get his own shot. And Jim said it repeatedly. I'm excited for the kid. I am. I am so glad we don't have to wait the normal three or four months. Now we only have to wait three or four weeks, and we get to see it. I think that's great. We also had Lincoln Kennedy on, the Raiders uh, radio analyst, talking about Raiders and Chiefs. And for a guy who's employed by the team, I thought there was a lot of truth-telling, saying that the Raiders are pretty good. And they were nearly perfect the day they beat Kansas City. The Chiefs are the defending champs. And right there with Pittsburgh this year as the favorites to come out of the AFC, and he talked a little bit about that. He said, but if the Raiders find a way to beat the Chiefs a second time, that elevates them from... We're a pretty good team, too. We know we can beat anybody on any given day. It doesn't make them a favorite over the Chiefs and the Steelers on consecutive weeks in the playoffs, and yet it still gives them a level of, when we walk on the field, we can do this. Oh, this is a huge game for where the Raiders are. Yeah. yeah the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They've already proven it. They can actually lose this game. Oh, and yeah. I've gone 0-2 against these guys and still win a Super Bowl, certainly. But... For the Raiders, who are trying to prove themselves, and they haven't been on, not this collection of Raiders, obviously, hasn't been on top. This is a huge proving game. And then they can they can drive around the strip <laughs> if they want to after this game, if they win. I think Gruden was just torturing a bus driver who was a Chiefs fan who was complaining about well, the it's, loss. It, it's oh, the you're salty, huh? smack talk story I've ever heard of. <laughs> it's a to- drive around a stadium? <laughs> it's a totally goofy it's story. It's a big parking lot, and the parking lot separates the baseball Let's from make the a loop. football stadium. Yeah. Did they go around the baseball stadium, I, I, too? I are hope the Royals so. now, are they pissed? I hope so. I hope Royals fans <laughs> are just are. irate. I, I got to say, out of all like the serious... Uh, nasty stories that come out of the NFL that you have to report on, that this is a story is somehow both bizarre and charming at the same time. Victory laps and buses around a parking lot. I mean, so, well, it's not exactly so Terrell what? Owens running on, dancing on the star in Dallas. It really isn't. It and really Smith isn't. going out to blow him up. Or yeah. <laughs> was it Smith? Randy was... Moss mooning the crowd. Good right? Point. I think yeah. it was Evan Smith, yeah. <laughs> It's classic. If the Raiders win, they're seven and three. That sounds like a legit record. That sounds good. When you're seven and three after ten games, you're a good team. They'd be a game behind the Chiefs, and they'd have the tiebreaker because it would have swept the season series. If the Chiefs win, they're nine and one. They're the defending Super Bowl champs. They have a three game lead in the division, and they're looking at Pittsburgh, who will be either nine and one or ten and zero. Oh, probably ten and zero oh if they beat Jacksonville, who's Lost eight in a row, oh, you would assume. Chiefs so. win. They're the Chiefs, right? Exactly. And I'm, I'm. We we can start ge- geeking out for a Steelers Chiefs AFC title game. 
Uh, Twitter is already all a flutter over the thought of Taysom Hill getting the start. Apparently, he's been getting all the snaps. Uh, you got multiple people who cover the NFL tweeting that out. He's getting all the snaps. Snaps. Jameis Winston came in as the backup in the middle of the game, but with a week to prepare, they are getting Taysom Hill ready for the start uh, as Atlanta plays New Orleans. So uh, Mina Kimes from ESPN tweeting out, Taysom Hill's first start is football Twitter's Super Bowl. We deserve this. Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy's got a ton of run, and Brian Keel has uh, what he just said, that people have been bugged by so much run that he's getting. Uh, and I've been laughing, like, oh, Taysom Hill caught a pass, or he ran. They're like, well, no kidding. This dude's a decathlon winner anytime he wants to enter it. We've seen it. But a quarterback? Now, i got to admit, I have my doubts. Can he be a starting quarterback in the NFL? I certainly hope so, because the guy was great. I mean, I love the kid. I don't know him that well, but uh, I don't know him at all, really. But, you know, what he endured, we know all that stuff. He stuck, he stuck with it. We all know the backstory. Why wouldn't I want him to succeed? There's no reason not to. And so, but I'm curious. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Can he really be an NFL starting quarterback? And But I will say, when it comes to my judgment of who's an NFL starting quarterback and it comes to Sean Payton's judgment, I'm going with Sean Payton. Well, I don't know, although we will make definitive decisions anyway, I don't know why you would try to make a definitive decision off of one start. There are plenty of people who've looked good in one start, and then once you get a lot of them on film, uh, defenses can handle them. And there are also people who haven't been great in their first start, but ended up winning multiple Super Bowls. So, But it doesn't matter. We'll take one start. That's what we get. So we'll take it and we'll embrace it. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, talking NFL draft and NFL free agency. NFL, NBA draft and NBA free agency next. Stay with us.